2: All right, so the Sooner Sports Podcast has a very interesting schedule this week with a bye week. We got to rest our voices too, right, Toby? So uh, instead of our regular Monday podcast live, here's a kind of a Tuesday special, almost kicking it old school, if you will, with what the original (laughs) podcast was. The voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, joins us. And man, through three weeks, I don't know if you could have scripted this much better for the Sooners, could you?
1: No, you really couldn't, Chris. Uh, They have looked good on offense. Well, that's understated. They've, uh, <laughs> they've looked unbelievable on offense. They've looked, uh, um, you know, very good on defense. Uh, they've handled all three of their opponents. They've remained as far as we know, relatively healthy. Um, which certainly is not to be understated. Uh, when you look at, just the quarterback stories this week in college football and in the NFL. So, um, no, things, things are good. And, you know, the, the questions we had coming into the season about Jalen Hurts and um, does his skill set translate into the Lincoln-Riley offense or can Lincoln adapt his offense around Jalen's skill set, <laughs> that appears to be a resounding yes. Uh, the question we had about whether the – The defense would be better under Alex Grinch. Uh, Seems to be so far a yes. So, uh, yeah, early in the year, I think that uh, that things have gone fantastic.
2: So, and it's funny because I was in preparing for this and and both of us doing our local shows today, I was kind of going through the checklist of those preseason questions and how they've been answered so far. But, Man, the one thing I've loved is just the the new mindset defensively. But maybe even more than that, we've had we've had Alex, or part me, we've had Roy Manning, we've had Brian Odom. We still haven't had Alex Grinch yet on the coach's Corner. And Toby, both of these guys are just fantastic whenever it comes to educating us about what this defense is about. And you see that passion. I mean, obviously you see Roy Manning's passion, but I just I love the way they articulate. Where they expect this defense to be and where they see it going, you almost—it's almost as if you have a clear picture of what it's going to look like.
1: Yeah, they've been—they've uh, fan- been great. I think I think entertaining. Roy Manning's been amazingly entertaining, <laughs> and, and we don't get to be uh, you know in practice to watch him coach, but it seems like everybody that is, players and otherwise, couldn't be more impressed with the vision that they have for what this defense should look like. Uh, for the way they go about uh, coaching the position and handling the players and everything. And um, it, it looks like it's working. You know, yeah. it's it's early still. Uh, I think that, you know, I remain cautiously optimistic. And I think that a lot of uh, Sooner fans feel the same way. Uh, there have been other seasons recently where they've started well on defense and it's faded. So, uh, but it's better for it to start well than not. And I think it, it looks different. The product on the field defensively has looked different. the five turnovers, five takeaways that they have so far through three games. The nine sacks, both of those numbers are at the top of the big 12. I think third down's a big deal. you know they they were not very good a year ago getting off the field on third down. and so far this year they have been 24% conversion rate on third down for the opponents this year, which which ranks uh, I think top 20, top 15 in the country, number two in the big 12. So all of those numbers and statistics look good. Uh, now, the opponents are going to get better. Um, UCLA's having a down year. Like Houston's a good team, but the opponents are going to get better, and uh, those numbers are going to be challenged, and this defense is going to be challenged. And it, it, things like how many guys they play on defense, uh, w- will that continue? You know, I think it's a fascinating strategy that Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley have employed to keep guys fresh, to keep guys healthy, to keep more guys engaged in practice and everything. Um, Can that continue into uh, tighter games, into the OU Texas game, um, and and on after that? That'll be interesting to watch. But all we can judge so far is what we've seen, and so far the product on defense has been seemingly uh, much improved.
2: I'll tell you what's been unique for me, and I know we, we talked about it a lot, on the broadcast but for instance if you see a series where Kenneth Murray isn't out there I'm suddenly racing all over the place I'm trying to find you know Scott Anderson or or Doc Schnabel are they working on him is he talking to trainers uh, same thing with a Parnell Motley or even a Trey Brown I like the rotation it's taken me a little bit to get used to that guys yeah. aren't injured but I love the idea of giving these guys a rest and that also speaks to the trust you have to have in your
1: depth right? Well, absolutely. It's funny. We have um, we have come to expect that it's okay to rotate at certain positions and not at others. (laughs) You know, right. uh, If if a uh, wide receiver or a running back rotates, that's that's not a big deal. That's the way it works. If an offensive lineman comes out of the game, then you're like, what's going on? He must be hurt same on defense. You rotate on the defensive line. That's not abnormal. You get fresh pass rushers on the field, but the second a linebacker leaves the field or a corner leaves the field, you assume there's an injury there. And, um, I'm not sure why we've, we've just kind of, that's just the way it is in football, you know? Uh, but Alex seems to have Alex Grinch seems to have a, a different philosophy and, um, It's an intriguing one, you know, especially when you couple it with the type of offense Oklahoma plays, which tends to be fast paced and tends to create more snaps than a normal offense Uh, tends to have your defense on the field more than than a normal team. So the idea is, well, if that's going to be the case, then we got to get our guys more rest than a normal team would. Uh, get more guys involved. Try as hard as possible to keep fresh legs, fresh minds on the field at all times. And um, it's just different than we've seen. So when Kenneth Murray's not on the field, your immediate reaction is, uh-oh, What's he must wrong? be hurt. Right. And the, I think the fact of the matter is they're getting him a little break over there so he can be fresh when he goes back in. Same with the corners. And But but your point is a good one. You can't do that unless you trust your depth. And I think we have figured out that on the defensive line, they've got eight guys, and I think about to be nine when Kenneth Mann comes back, that they really like. Uh, Perkins, Gallimore, Stokes, Redman, uh, Famatau, Overton, Stripling, Isaiah Thomas to a lesser extent, but he's still played quite a bit, and now Kenneth Mann. So there's great depth right there, and you can keep fresh pass rushers on the field at all times. At linebacker, we know they like the starters, White, Murray, and Terry. Nick Benito has played great, got him a sack out in the Rose Bowl. Uh, Ryan Jones got him an interception. I think the the youngsters, Agwebu and Asamoah, have shown a a ton of promise. Uh, Teddy Lehman just raves about Asamoah. Brian Mead has been solid when he's been on the field in limited action. So there's seven, eight guys right there that they trust. And, And I think Levi Draper's working his way into that as well. Um, which speaks to the depth at cornerback, obviously, Trayvon and Parnell Motley. But Jaden Davis has been phenomenal early in the year, and he's making it harder and harder not to find a permanent position for him, I think. Um, Pat Fields, DeLarian Turner-Yale, Justin Broyles, Buki, uh, maybe a little thinner at at the safety spot and at nickel, Chance Sylvie, Sylvie uh, didn't play in the Rose bowl or didn't play much anyway. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but, um, so, but, but your larger point is the depth that they are developing have developed and are developing on the defensive side of the ball is very encouraging, uh, for a variety you know, for a couple of reasons. One is if you have an injury, you're, it's not the end of the world. Right. You got somebody else you could plug in. Exactly. And, and two, just for, I mean, I don't, when you're watching the stands or we're watching the press box, I mean, it, it, they are giving their all in short bursts. And the value of having fresh legs, fresh breath, fresh mind on the field in, in the hot sun on the, on the floor of the Cotton Bowl or wherever it may be in the second half, uh, I could see where that is extremely valuable. Um, so I I think it's intriguing. It's just something we haven't seen before. We haven't haven't seen them go about this, this way. And, um, I'm eager to see over the course of a season, how successful it is. I think it's going to be great.
2: I do too. And I'm so excited. I think though, I I got asked this earlier today. I think the bye week comes at a good time. I kind of like the separation of non-conference into conference season. It's almost as if, okay, we 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 can fix what we didn't like. We can improve it. We can kind of celebrate and fine-tune what went well. T. I love this bye week falling after week three and then kind of wiping the slate clean to start conference play with Texas Tech next weekend.
1: I agree. I feel like um, the right reaction to the bye week is always to love it wherever it lands. Right. <laughs> Um, that's great. Um, (laughs) What that's what, you know, you might as well embrace it. Uh, but they get two of them this year and it, it, you know, it breaks up pretty nicely. You're right. You get to go play your first three games and then you get to kind of sit back before conference play starts and say, it's almost like a preseason. I mean, they all count, but it's almost like, all right, we did the exhibition season here. How did it go? What do we like? Let's let's make sure we're all healed up, injury wise, and everything before we start the gauntlet, and, and reevaluate some things. We can do some self scouting. We can really get ready to run the table here. So I, I think this week is a really uh, advantageous week to have a break. Then they're going to go play one, two, three, four, five straight games, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, before they get another one uh, and and get a break before the final four of the season. So. The, the bye week uh, is always an interesting thing. And I think sometimes it falls and you never know better than others because you never know how beat up your football team is going to be and when they're going to be beat up. And it's nice to have a two week span in there somewhere to kind of collect yourself. This is a pretty healthy team right now. So I don't think from that perspective that they need the extra week. I think it's more from a we've got some product on the field we've got some tape out there now three weeks worth of games let's uh, do a deep dive on what we like what we don't like but who we like who we don't like on the field and uh, get ready for big 12 play
3: i want to tell you a story it's a story about a scandal broken relationships gossip rumors money corporate rivalry and a broom a performance enhancing broom my name is john cullen
2: Uh, I was thinking about it. We saw Adrian Ely leave a little bit early on Saturday night. But for the most part, you know, we haven't had a chance. They, they have a tent now. They have an injury tent on the sideline for the first time that I can remember T-Row. I know it's been popular across college football. And as you said, you know, kind of knock on wood, we haven't had to worry about that so far this year. I mean, you had the Caleb Kelly injury in the spring. Yeah, the Trey Norwood injury in the fall. Those are you know, two very hurtful injuries, but for the most part, they, they've been very healthy so far this season, and you hope that continues. Uh, two more quick ones, and I'll get you out of here. First, All right. I, I thought it was a great question asked to Lincoln Riley on uh, Monday night, and it was, in this offense, is it ideal to have your quarterback be your leading rusher? Well, it, outside of option offenses, I don't think any offense wants a quarterback to be their leading rusher, but I don't mind it. I just – I have one concern. I love that Jalen Hurts loves the contact, but he can get down every now and then if he wants he can get out of bounds. I mean, Kyler Murray was so good at it, Toby. It's just Jalen Hurts, it's power running to an extreme at that quarterback position.
1: He's a he's a hybrid between Kyler Murray and Blake Bell. Right. I, right. Uh, I think that we saw and we saw pretty close to a belldozer on a couple of occasions Saturday in the Rose Bowl in short-yarded situations. In fact, I think some of the plays were the same when uh, Jalen just kind of did that uh, quarterback lead and let everybody flow in front of him. Um, I I think that Lincoln's philosophy is always going to be, you know, we've got a variety of ways to hurt you. Which way do you want to be hurt tonight? You know, (laughs) I mean, if you want to try to stack the box and take away our running game, all right, well, here comes... C.D. Lamb and Charleston Rambo and Grant Calcaterra and Lee Morris and Trajan Bridges and Theo Weiss and Jaden Hazelwood and Nick Basquin and on Drake Stoops and Michael Jones and A.D. Miller. I mean, they just keep going. If you want to drop into coverage, then here comes Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks and Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, Don't forget the H-backs, who he loves to just use as kind of uh, toys out there, I think, at times. But now you add in uh, Jalen Hurts, which a running quarterback isn't a new thing. But it, it the interesting part has been last year they ran Kyler, but not as much as we thought. They really let him, for the most part, carve teams up with his arm. And, and he made big plays with his legs, but not as much as we thought going into the year. It's been the opposite this year for Jalen. Right, They have run him more than we expected. And and a lot of it, you know, I want to say close to half the runs, half the carries for Jalen this year, I would guess, have been just plays that he's decided I'm going to take off. You know, it hasn't been a called quarterback run. You know, that first play of the game at UCLA is a great example. That was not a called quarterback run the right side of the line kind of caved in and, and he ran left and lo and behold, he had 52 yards to go. So um, I, I think it's partly that's his nature. You know, he uh, was a more of a, he was the running quarterback, so to speak at Alabama with Tua. Uh, he was, I think kind of coached one read. And if you don't see it take off, I mean, I can't, confirm that but it kind of seems that way and uh and so he's kind of ingrained with that he's happy to run and and certainly is not scared of contact downfield no um which is cool i guess but i'm with you i i would just assume he'd not separate a shoulder on a tackle or, or something like that but uh and then the the other half of it is he's a big dude with good wheels and a significant weapon and why not take advantage of it you know I mean Lincoln's no dummy if you're not going to account for him then he's going to hurt you with it so uh, teams are going to have to start accounting for him you're right you're right and 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 I think going forward you'll see that and I think going forward you'll see Jalen maybe run a little less
2: final thought T-Row boy what a week for the big 12 I mean, outside of the tough loss for Texas Tech, uh, the tough loss for Iowa State, I mean, TCU going on the road and pummeling Purdue the way that they did. Big win for Kansas State. What Oklahoma accomplished in the Rose Bowl. Not a bad time to be a member of the Big 12, is it?
1: It was a good week. I, I feel like every year in the preseason, uh, the pundits say, well, the Big 12's not going to be very good this year. And then around this time, we all say, you know what? The Big 12's better than we <laughs> thought it was this year and then they go win more bowl games than not, and then everybody says, well, their opponents didn't really care. So uh, here we go. chapter uh, Big 12's better than we thought. Uh, Big 12's better than a lot of people thought. Kansas State, uh, what they did at Mississippi State was impressive. What TCU did up at Purdue with the ease that they did it was impressive. Uh, I, 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 Kansas completely shocked me in how they not only beat Boston College on the road, but manhandled them. So uh, West Virginia, we'd kind of give it up on them, and they put a multi—you 17-point know, win on NC State. Uh, I am disappointed for Iowa State. I, I wish they could have found a way to win that game, but I, I think Oklahoma State's a dangerous team. I think Baylor's a dangerous team. And obviously, Oklahoma and Texas seem to be the two big boys that everybody's chasing after. So uh, here we go. The, the race is on starting a week from Saturday, and for some people this Saturday, the OSU-Texas game, I think, is a fascinating one. And uh, it'll be a fun year again in the Big 12.
2: Good stuff as always, Toby. Appreciate the time. And we will see you a week from Saturday. Well, actually, we'll see you before then because we'll be back with our live podcast on Monday. So that'll be Monday on Facebook and Soonersports.tv. So we'll be back live next week with a regular schedule. And, man, enjoy a little bit of a break for the pipes this weekend.
1: You're the best, Plank. Thanks, man. See you, Toby. See you, buddy. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OUOnTheAir.